Welcome to Horsefly Chronicles Radio with Julia and Philip Siracusa. Sponsored by Carnation. Airing live on United Public Radio Network on 105.3 and 107.7 FM in New Orleans. This show's opening has been produced, edited, narrated by Gwen Luckett at gluckett.com. Everyone and welcome to Horsefly Chronicles Radio with myself, Julia Syracusa, and Philip Syracusa. We are broadcasting live from the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM and 107.7 FM from New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by Carnation, so we want to thank them for their sponsorship. We love them. Thank you so much. You'll have to do a few things in order to participate and chat. Go to our YouTube page, UFO Paranormal Radio. Go to all of our Facebook stations, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, UFO Undercover with Joe Montaldo, News on the Flipside, Horseplay Chronicles Radio, SoundCloud, Palm Beach, all those uh, platforms. So tonight, guys, we have some amazing guests. So let's welcome them all to the show. Please welcome to the show the co-authors of the Near Death Institute, NDI, supporting and empowering NDEs. Phil is also a co-author on this book. This book is to be released on March 21st. Their mission is to guide everyone on a spiritual journey to what it is like to experience a near-death experience. And they are putting all of their experiences into a book. So you can pre-order this book with all of these amazing authors on neardeathinstitute.com. So please welcome them all to the show. Hey. Hi. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Okay, so we have a big crowd here tonight. And um, one thing that fascinates me, my own experience, and then other people around the world come forward with near-death experiences, and we all have that question, what happens when it's over? And tonight we're gonna to bring you some of the brief details by these amazing people of what they experienced. You've already heard my story many times to the listener and how they feel and what's gonna be in the book coming out on March 21st. So we wanna start out with Amira who started the whole project. Amira, uh, tell us a bit about your background and how you came up with this idea. So, um I got into near-death experiences and uh, the stories and writing on the stories 10 years ago. So my grandfather had passed away and I went into a very deep depression. And uh, what actually helped me to you know, heal from it was a near-death experience book. And so since then, I've been ghostwriting near-death experiences and helping people who've had NDEs self-publish their own books. And uh, a few months ago, I was very much interested in doing a co-author book with many authors instead of, you know, just one. 
And so I reached out to all of you guys and here we are. Wow. And what is the, what some of the details that you can give the audience that they're going to get into this book, you know, like some of the takeaways. Yeah. So there's been so many different experiences from all the authors. As you know, some of them, uh, you know, had complications during surgery. Some of them were very sick. Some had car accidents. Some, you know, one of them was struck by lightning. So, you know, it's just the different ways in which they've died, which was really uh, interesting for me to learn about. And then also the different types of experience they've had. Many of them have had, um, you know, the life review. Some haven't had the life review. Some have seen loved ones. Some haven't. Some have seen, um, you know, golden clouds. Some have seen ascended masters, met their guides. So there's so many different experiences. And I, um, what I love most about it is the diversity and how it represents every person's experience can be different and that we shouldn't really look at it being one specific way but being open to however it may manifest for you and knowing that no matter what manifests there's always love on the other side there's always um you know a lot of unconditional love and acceptance which is what we all want so that's what i'm mostly excited about i love it i love it megan welcome tell us about yourself and a briefing of what happened to you Okay, um, my name is Megan Brown, and um, I am, you know, I'm just a here, an earthling here, <laughs> which sounds crazy. But now that I've been raised Roman Catholic and was an atheist for 18 years, and then I had my third near-death experience where I spent five days in heaven, now it makes a lot of sense to me why I say that. So um, I spent five days in heaven. I met God. I met Ascended Masters. I had my life review. I went to a concert that was fantastic. Freddie Mercury, Terry Kath, Marvin Gaye, to name a few, for the Queen Band, and a lot of other things that happened there. This was in heaven? Yes. Wouldn't that be heaven wow. for you? I mean, I'm the Queen fan. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have to touch something here. You went atheist for, you said 18 years? 18 years, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And then that happened to you, and it kind of just changed everything. It did. Yes, it absolutely did. Um, I was an atheist uh, because when I was young, I got raped. And I remember, I thought, you know, having grown up Roman Catholic, I thought, you know, if there's a God, this wouldn't have happened. There's no way. My life couldn't get any worse. And it did at that time. And so I thought, okay, uh, yeah, save it. Everybody save it. I quit going to church. You know, when I was with my grandmother, I'd make her happy, show up, you know, but it was just to make my grandmother happy. And then I just kind of went on my own way thinking, and I remember I was just talking to a friend of mine about this. I said, I used to think after that experience that if there was a God, he would have to prove it to me. I would, there would have to be proof. And oh, did I ever get proof? I got a lot of proof. So that was great. I got my proof. Wow. I just got to and you know, a question I have for you, are you afraid of death now? No, I'm not. There's nothing to fear and we don't die. All we do is our soul leaves 
to go to, it's like we just transitioned to the other planet. And so we're just on that planet instead. And we're still in our human bodies that we leave from on this planet. And you see everybody the same and everybody becomes younger. And with regard to children, I mean, I've seen, I saw children in heaven, but I don't, I don't know what the cutoff is. If it's 18 and under, they don't change the age um, and they get older there. Or I don't remember that part, but I do remember, um, I do remember that everybody looked as though they were 30 again, which was really neat. <laughs> to be young forever. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And Elle, tell us about yourself. Well, um, I was living a kind of a regular, irregular life um, before everything happened. I feel like part of mine was manifestation because I was a single mom. I was so tired and just frustrated and just really wanted a, an opportunity to take a break. And I would pray about it. And I said, you know, God, I just want to take a break and just have not not have any responsibilities for a while. Um, I decided to um, leave where I was to go see my family for a little bit with my daughter. And um, I wasn't feeling that great. Um, and long story short, I, was, I had an infection of some kind. And when I got to, um, to see my family, it got worse. So I was admitted into the hospital. Um, you know, they, I was treated. I was starting to get better. And then a mistake happened and I started having anaphylaxis. Um, I became completely septic. Um, I, they were having trouble stabilizing my breathing. So I, they um, eventually intubated me and then I was put um, into a, an induced coma because my organs were failing um, and shutting down. So uh, then I was put on life support and because I was essentially dying. And, um, you know, that's when I, you know, I don't know the correlation of time and, you know, I've spoken to my family afterwards, but it's great to, to um, hear other NDE stories and my story. I left my body several times when I was in my coma. And then I ultimately left and I traveled to space you know, I saw a different planet. I saw a nebula. I was a orb shape. So the fact that you guys do, you know, um, you also do like, um, you know, spooky stories or things like that. And you see orbs. I always wondered how, you know, a person would be inside of an orb. And what I experienced was my entire consciousness and body was inside of that orb. Um, I had three guides on the other side, and one of them looked like my daughter. And I think that guide was to keep me anchored and keep me motivated to stay here. But they gave me a lot of instruction and answered questions that I had before I had my NDE, things about the world, um, things about, you know, what's going on and why things are so corrupt and why things are the way that they are. Um, they also taught me about consciousness and the fact that all living things are consciousness. And I kept on hearing merge with the tree and merge with this and merge with that. So I actually went into um, different life forms like a lily, a fish, and then also merged with the tree. 
And I was able to experience what it was like to be them, not to pretend to be them, but what they actually were and how their consciousness actually works. And so, um, you know, I, um, the other things that I saw were through the Akashic records where I was told, you know, certain things were going to happen and, um, you know, what to do with myself and what people need to do in order to kind of be prepared for some of those things. And um, ultimately, what I believe is uh, the time that I was not going to come back, or I guess, you know, was the time where I was going to transition forever, um, based on my conversations with my family afterward and what was going on in the waking world, I don't like to call it reality because you know how that is. This is <laughs> honestly not that real here. But um, I was in a room and everything went very still and quiet. Um, and uh, it was a little bit dark. And then my guide said, reach out your left hand. And I did and a silver sphere appeared. And then once that happened, um, Jesus in a light body form appeared and said, I love you, everything's gonna be okay. And then a light panned around the room that made a tunnel shape. And when that tunnel in, uh, shape appeared, I felt just a sense of like um, ambivalence and a sense of just being really peaceful and just whatever happens, happens, even though prior to that, I was kind of, you know, I wanted to, to see my daughter. Um, and so after that happened, the, um, the light retracted back. And then that was the last thing that I remembered. Now in the waking world, my family said that I was crashing and all of a sudden I started breathing again and they were all shocked. Um, because my doctors gave me a less than 1% survi um, survival rate. So they yeah. had brought up, yeah, they had brought up an oscillator from the basement and unhooked me up to that. And then from there, I began to stabilize more and more. Wow. That's truly amazing. And thank God you're here. Um, wow. It, it leaves you speechless. And then I would ask you, the same question, are you afraid of death? No, I'm not afraid of death, but I am um, FOMO, the fear of missing out because my daughter, <laughs> <laughs> my daughter is 20 and I just wanna see everything that she's gonna do and that she is doing. So I have more the fear of missing out, but not the fear of death. Fascinating. Fascinating. And we have, let's see here, Sharon. Yes. Hello. Yes. Tell thank us you. about your near-death experience. Of course. This is the second near-death near-death experience I had in 2001. And a little bit about my background. I was uh, also raised Roman Catholic. I was not a good Catholic. My parents were not good Catholics. And so I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't abide by the Catholic teachings. It didn't resonate with me about the judgment and things like that. I didn't enjoy church or anything. So my experience was 
contrary to what I would have expected in a near-death experience. I It was 2001. Some friends and I went intertubing down the Guadalupe River in New Braunfels, Texas. And uh, the when we went to get off the river to go back to our cars after a really great day, the bus was full. The shuttle bus was full. And so I got on the bus. Our group got on the bus. And I was up against the back door of the bus. It was a little small bus, one of those little school buses. And it was pulling a trailer that had our inner tubes and our ice chests in it. And as the bus driver was driving, which was just a couple miles from where they picked us up on the river, the back door flew open and I fell out of the out of the bus and fell underneath the um, trailer that they were pulling. I bounced off the trailer hitch, I bounced onto the pavement and then bounced underneath the tires. And at that point, uh, one of the tires ran over my head and my neck. And that's when I popped out of my body. And I was, as I, I, I knew that it was going to happen because I screamed in my head, stop, you're killing me as loud as I could. Because I knew that in the next second that uh, that was going to happen. And so I, as I, when I popped out of my body and I threw the head, I was looking down on the scene and I saw my body in the road and I felt, I didn't feel upset at all. I actually felt detached from my body. And thought, my first thought was, okay, well, I died. I've done this before. Here I am again. That life is, is finished. This is how I ended my life, how it was, how I died in this lifetime. And then I felt bad for my friends because we had such an amazing day. And I remember thinking, gosh, this is really going to ruin their day. <laughs> it was a girlfriend's birthday. And I'm like, oh, she's not going to be able to celebrate her birthday. Oh, that's sad. That kind of thing. But it didn't make me want to go back. And I thought about my family and I realized they were going to be okay. I was uh, shown that they would be okay. I had that awareness. And then I felt movement behind me and I turned around and there, it was my stepfather who had died a couple of years earlier, who I was really close to. He basically raised my sister and I, and he told me, and when I turned around, I saw him and it was really good to see him. And he told me it wasn't my time. And I, I said, but I, but I want to stay with you. And we had that conversation and then a tunnel started to open up to my right. And I looked at it and I saw my ancestors, my relatives that I knew on here in this world, and also ancestors that I didn't know or wouldn't have remembered in this world, but that I knew being my ancestors. I recognized them. Mm -hmm. And I was started to be drawn to the tunnel. And there was another tunnel portal that opened beyond this tunnel. And it was golden white. It was gorgeous and huge. It was like the sun. And my attention was brought to that tunnel. And as I was looking at that tunnel, I saw a figure come out of the tunnel, move, moving toward me out of the tunnel, a light figure. And I recognized him as he be, uh, came closer to me. I recognized him as Jesus, uh, who I call Yeshua. <laughs> and yeah, and I knew him and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know you and I've missed you terribly. And I flew to him and he was very physical. He, uh, he told me 
also that it's not your time. And I said, but I want to stay with you. I want to be with you. I, want, I was so happy. Joy doesn't describe it to see him. And he, and I remember his laughter. He chuckled and said, I know type of thing. It was telepathic. And uh, while we were communicating, he enveloped me in light and I was filled with his light. And I believe that's what healed healed my body afterwards, what or why my body wasn't as damaged as it really as it could have been. And then he said to me, I mean, that was just such a an, can't describe the light <laughs> in our terms. But uh, after that, after I came back, his oh, I also want to describe his eyes the way I remember them is or have seen saw them and have seen since then is uh, they they were blue. To me, they were blue. People have asked me what his eyes looked like. And to me, they were blue and they held the universe, the, the universe within them. And he was also reflecting my soul back to him. I was, it was different to, difficult to describe, but we were reflecting the love and the light that we had within. To, he was reflecting it to me and I was reflecting my soul back to him. So we were merging in that space. And then he said that he wanted to take me on a journey. He asked me if I would go on a journey with him. And I, of course, said yes. And he put his hand out and I took his hand. And as soon as I took his hand, we went flying through the cosmos. And we come ac an, across another portal. And it's a blue portal. I see a blue light and it's a blue portal. And we move through that portal as he's holding my hand. And I recognize and then I see a planet and I recognize a planet as we come closer to it it's a um, ocean planet a water planet and I recognize it and interesting what you said L because as I was gazing on the planet we were there and I was connecting to the planet again I was able to become and merge with the consciousness of the planet I was actually aware of that the planet was my body and I had so much love and caring for every being on my body on that planet. And I could bring my awareness back and forth to the smallest being cell or amoeba on that planet up to being the consciousness of the planet. It felt like a mother, mother energy as I was merging. And after that experience, we dove down into the plant, the the planet, the ocean, and uh, I was reunited with a family there that I recognized as a family. And um, that uh, I don't know how long that lasted. It felt like I had never left. <laughs> yeah, and I realized that I have children there, a family. Yeah, mate. I was reunited with my parents, with my ancestors, with my fam soul group on that planet. And, um, and wow. the communication, yeah, the communication afterwards, Yeshua, he had, uh, he let me know that once my mission on earth was finished, that, you know, I could remember or move my focus to that planet and have that experience there but earth was uh, i still had a mission i hadn't finished on earth yet <laughs> and then when i once i agreed i said okay i agree 
I agree. I mean, there's, of course, with all of our experiences, so much more. But um, I agree. But you have to promise that me that I will know that you were walking beside me every every minute of the day, and I know you tangibly in my life. And uh, and then I'm back in my body as soon as I agree. Then he agreed. We had that agreement. I made a deal with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating, right, Joel? You know, it's so incredible that everyone has like a different story, but if you, but it's kind of like it's the same story, but a different story. It's, it's fascinating. But my question is when you guys came back into your bodies and you told your families these stories, did they believe you? Yeah, I would say that they, um, they did believe. They didn't understand it all because kind of like uh, Sharon and Megan's family, mine, I had a mixture of majority religious and one atheist and then some others that were in between. Um, they just couldn't process it. And they know that you did experience something, but they just don't know how to understand Right. all the things and then on our side too some some things we don't know how to communicate because in the spiritual realm things are not about words like sharon had mentioned a lot of things were telepathic everything was telepathic so a lot of things are about feeling and energy and it's hard to communicate that in human words yeah absolutely yeah perfect I think that's amazing. One thing that Sharon had said that I, I got the chills is she said that there was another family, a past family that she was brought to. And it kind of reminds me of certain things when she said that. And I hear these stories, and again, I have my own, I'm an experiencer too. And then, you know, the skeptic would say, right? The skeptic would say, well, why you? why you're brought back and why not everybody else why not an innocent child who died of cancer who was why couldn't they come back or why and you know i want to hear what you have to say to the listener out there why we have this as the messenger but other people don't can i like jump in here go ahead make yeah. so i i I didn't share a lot of what happened in my near-death experience because I didn't know how much time was allotted here. So I I can concur with uh, what Elle and Sharon have said, like the telepathic thing and being at one with something because we're all one with the creator and the universe. But to answer your question about why are we allowed to come back and whereas a child who you used as the example who has cancer and is going to leave this planet with that cancer and it's incurable, it is my belief based on my last near-death experience that um, because we signed up for it and I remember looking at God in heaven we were talking at one point he mentioned um, reincarnation and I having grown up Catholic I didn't you know I wasn't taught to believe that but then I got a little hint of it when I was very young like 11 12 years old and then I thought oh well, this is bogus you know I didn't know, right? So I looked at God at, at the at his table and I said, reincarnation's real? And he said, oh, absolutely. He says, you've had quite a few lives. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I said, why is this life so hard? And he said, because you chose three lives in one. Mm 
And I said, what the bleep was I thinking? And he looked at me and he said, you didn't want to reincarnate. So it's interesting because we, I took on a very rough life in this life so that I don't have to reincarnate. And I chose three near-death experiences, more, but three that I have stories about. And it's like, I had to come back. I could, I can't get off this planet right now. I can't. And it's, it's something that I would love to experience, but it's like, I've been, I've been pushed out <laughs> all three times. And I've had three very different near death experiences. And God actually said to me, I said, why did I choose this life? And he said, because it's the agreement that you signed with me before you were born. So there is actually an agreement that each one of us signs. And what our families don't understand um, necessarily, I mean, depending on the family, I shouldn't speak for every family and I'm not, but is that, look, we're not taught some of this stuff, you know, depending on what background we have or we come from. So we're learning along the way as we kind of bump along in life, you know, into the next experience of whatever that experience is. So it has to do with agreements that we've signed. And the agreement is also for, in that case of the child, it's also for the parents. So they knew that they would be having this child who would be leaving early in their life before the parents would. But they don't remember that. They don't recall it. That's my two cents. Perfectly said. Perfect, and I agree with you a thousand percent. She just hit on the head. I'm like, I'm frozen because she hit it right on the head. Everything she says I would have said, soul contract, makes total sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if I hadn't heard it from God himself, I wouldn't have believed it, you know? So, but I did. Yeah, some people don't. Um, they think, you know, why are things this way? Why would I want this to happen? And they don't realize that they don't remember what their soul actually agreed to before coming here and they don't realize that we have active decisions and what our soul does and where it goes and how we express ourselves here. And then we forget when we're born and, you know, it's kind of a re-remembering. You know, it's yeah, I remember. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, I remember having that conversation with my guides and them telling me I was going to forget because I also chose a lot on my plate this lifetime so I could step off the karmic wheel. And him telling me, you know, this is going to be really tough. And I said, that's okay. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, because we don't have a different perspective when we're, when we are choosing our life experience than when we're here. And I've had, you know, that sense too, or that conversation. What was I thinking? <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. I believe that 100% they write on the lies before they're going to happen. I 100% believe that. I want to ask um, this question that, again, you know, I play both roles, even though I'm an experience with a skeptic would say, well, both all of you were on under medication and the medication releases DMT, which makes you hallucinate into the state. Now, I already combated that with myself and my own NDE, but Amira, whoever wants to take that and let's go around, how would you how would you say to the listener that it's not a chemical reaction that you're hallucinating from a near-death experience that was actually another place of existence? 
You know, I wish I could tell you, but I don't know that for a fact um, because I've never had a near-death experience, so I cannot speak from my experience. But from everyone that I've, whether it's interviewed or people that I've ghostwritten for, or even you guys, just hearing your stories and feeling the truth in that, I really don't believe that it's some kind of chemical, you know, soup in your brain that's making you hallucinate things. Um, well, from my personal experience, I can say that, you know, growing up, we had our own belief systems. You know, I grew up in an Islamic household. So having these conversations was very much taboo. You know, you don't speak on death. You should fear death. You should fear God. Um, you know, you should not even mention the words reincarnation. There's no such a thing. It was very much you are born into this life as a test, basically. And depending on how good you are, that will determine your fate for all of eternity. You know, do you go to heaven or do you go to hell? And uh, that explanation was just not enough. It wasn't enough for me. And hearing all the stories and hearing all the experiences and, you know, just feeling into the emotion of what people are saying when they're explaining their you know, the experiences, for me, I don't feel like that can be some kind of hallucination. And how, for me, I don't understand how would it be possible for multiple people who have no connection with each other or even know each other's stories to have similar experiences, you know, to explain certain things in different ways. Uh, some people go to a garden, and I know you've been to this garden too, where the grass is alive, the air is alive, the colors are, are alive and conscious. How does multiple people have the same experience of that if this is just an hallucination? Um, you know, so those are some of the questions that I think of when, you know, someone will say to me, well, this may be an hallucination, it may be just, you know, consequences of your brain doing something weird uh, under medication. And I can understand that and I respect that opinion, but I think we'll all find out soon enough anyway. So, you know, we'll see when we get there. Yeah. I, I like it. You know, no yeah. I was going to say that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, Julie. no, go on. There's no experts in any of this. And she's right. You know, when we do, you know, officially cross over, we'll have all the answers. But there's too many stories that match up for, you know, it's just too much, I would say, evidence, you know, of people coming forward and telling their stories, like all of you. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, even though everybody's NDE story is different with the ultimate same theme, I'm gonna answer that question with science. Yeah. Um, some of you guys know I'm studying to be a doctor, okay? So, um, and I'm sp specifically studying genetics. And there's only so much that chemicals can do. Chemicals can't create healing in the body. Chemicals can't create rapid healing in the body. Um, I know I've heard um, from uh, Megan and Sharon, and I think a few, uh, a couple of the other authors about, um, especially one who was struck by lightning, um, which defies um, uh, just all things about physics and medicine. Um, with my situation, my tracheotomy healed in 24 hours. My feeding tube healed in two and a half to three days. 
I saw the shock on the doctor's um, faces. And considering that my body shut down my, and you think, if you think about it, you're going into a necrotic state. Your cells are dying off every single day, except they're dying off really fast. And then all of a sudden, you know, Phil, you're here, Megan, you're here, Sharon, you're here. We could talk. My CO2 was over 200 and on the max on a lab is 35 before you have brain damage. I don't have any brain damage today, maybe tomorrow morning, but not today. And, and so those types of things um, are definable and you can see scientifically as well. Um, in recent, uh, recent physics studies, physicists are now starting to connect that our consciousness, physicists are actually saying this, our consciousness is connected to the universe. And one of the reasons why this is being studied now is an attempt to see how far our, our reach as um, humans uh, can go into the cosmos and maybe even affect space travel into further distances in the future. But even physicists are saying this now. So there's only so much chemicals and DMT can do and they can't do a lot of those things. I'd like to add something here. Um, I, there was something, Julia, you said that just made me think of this, but then L, you just said, I'd like to bring the scientific point in here. And God actually, one of the things that he ordered me to do when I came back was to write a book. And in the book, he said, you're going to marry science with religion. And I thought, okay, I've never written a book before and I'm not a scientist and um, I'm not religious. So how's that going to work? you know, and he said, you'll figure it out. And um, at another point, when I was standing talking to God, um, I was sitting talking with Mozart and Bach about how life is going to be changing for the world, the collective as a whole. And then God appeared like he can do. And um, he asked me to step forward. And I, he told me that, uh, he asked me the question, what have you been learning? And I explained to him and he said, okay, you've been listening. And I said, God, I can't go back. I said, I'm in kidney failure. I, I have seven different things going on in my body right now. Um, I had less than a 10% chance of living and my organs shut down. And uh, <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, it's called a miracle, Megan. And I will <laughs> never forget him saying that to me. And I thought, you know, of all the other times in my life that I wanted a miracle, where were you? <laughs> now I want to stay here. But, you know, bringing that science with religion, bridging that together and getting back to what, you know, uh, the brain and how the brain is. And is it uh, like a drug induced uh, situation? I did acid once when I was 20 years old after my friends went to the Grateful Dead concert. I did mushrooms three times at 20 years old. And I'll tell you something. I smoked plenty of pot back then, too. But the, I had those experiences and not one of them, not one of them is like a near-death experience. And I'll tell you why. If I can be, when you're, I, I don't know, I couldn't remember anything, you know, after those experiences. But to remember every, a lot of stuff, the majority of the stuff, to remember it and come back and tell the story over and over and over again. Okay. 
hello. I mean, at some point your memory, it's been 16 years for me since that happened. So at some point the memory kind of, you know, fades away a little bit, but there's still these really poignant moments that I can just recall, like total recall, you know, and seeing Jesus was one of them, you know, and the telepathic talking to Jesus, that was another, it's, it's not made up. And why is it so, why is it so believable for people to believe religion? Okay. And that this is the way, this is the way, this is the way. And here we are going, well, religion, we're all unified in the end. We're all love. That's it. We're all love. And so why can we not believe that? Why, why is it that it's just these doctrines? I mean, I have my own philosophies on it and I have my own opinions, which I won't share because I'm not being asked, but I'm just bringing it to the forefront here to say, if we just, you know, like look at it from a different set of eyes and say, oh, well, yeah, why couldn't they be coming back with messages for everybody from heaven? Like I sat with prophet Muhammad and Jesus and God all at the same table. There were 77 of us. And some people have had hard times with that, you know, hearing that. And it's like, but why? Because you believe what man wrote? Okay, well, newsflash, it's it's not the real deal. You have so, to have open minds in all know. of this because you have to. Yeah, if, right. It's, um, well, there's a lot of programming, right? Uh, if I could speak to your question, Philip, too, is that, I am also an out-of-body traveler, an avid out-of-body traveler. So it's, I kept chasing the, <laughs> I kept wanting to go back home when I came back. <laughs> I kept wanting to go, go back home. And so I studied how to, how to leave my body, not through trauma, but through the conscious state and doing it on my own and in the willing state. And I can say, and I've have journaled over 2000 experiences since then, I can say that it's more real there, <laughs> I guess we could say, than it is here. This, everything is is more intense. The senses are heightened. Uh, it's just, that is home. That is what's more real than this mm -hmm. reality here. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's, well, that is what You'll it is home because there's such an unconditional love and it, it's just, it's like something I've never felt on this planet mm -hmm. ever. Wow. It's amazing, right? Because we hear these experiences and this, again, the skeptic would say, well, it's a release of DMT and it's a hallucination and a, a fabrication of an imagination. But I know like all of you know that that's not true. It's more real than here. And that is home and that these soul contracts are real. Um, and then I don't disrespect anyone's religion or beliefs, but as well, someone who does not believe in their death experience would say, well, in religion, especially Catholic religion, or that's how I grew up, it says verbatim, you cannot communicate with not only the dead, but you cannot enter God's kingdom. Now, as an nde -er, Megan, your thoughts. I don't think she's coming through. She might have been freezing a little bit. So let's transfer to L. What's your thoughts on that? 
Well, I'm not Catholic, but um, I had this discussion with somebody about those words, um, entering the kingdom of God. And what I experienced um, and information I got from my guides is that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom in general, is the universe that lives within you and how we're connected to um, the universe and to God. That is the actual kingdom. Um, I think doctrines interpret it as like this place where there's a throne, people are sitting there that are ordained. They have a tendency to translate things into what they would be here when they're actually completely different. So the kingdom is actually the universe that lives within you. And we're kind of a, a universe within a universe ourselves. And we're consciously connected to God, the source. And that's the actual kingdom. Wow. Perfectly said. Absolutely. Sharon, what's your take on that? Sharon? Oh, I don't think they can hear us. Okay, sorry. I was muted. Thank you. Oh, okay. I sat in teaching in my classroom, in my room, uh, every day, every evening after my near-death experience with Yeshua, teaching me and helping me remember. And I went through my life review then. And, uh, and he taught me that everything is within us. The kingdom is within us. And that we are... Uh, sorry. Did, okay, I'm still here. Yeah. And... We, <laughs> everything is within us. When we go out of body at night, we're actually going within. We're not, that's a misnomer. We're not really going out of our body. We're going within. It's all within us. And within. I do believe that, that his teachings were, were, um, and what he shared with me, what I, what I, our communication is that they were misunderstood perhaps on purpose or not on purpose who knows uh, but that's what he taught us and that we are love and that uh, the kingdom is within we have everything we need within us yeah and i'm going to reference oh sorry go ahead no 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 again i said i agree yeah i was going to reference the bible really quickly that one another thing that the bible says is um to become like little children in order to enter the, the kingdom. So what do children do? They come in through a womb. Then when they enter and they start um, understanding their surroundings, they start asking a lot of questions. When you're not asking those questions with a childlike spirit, when you're not like, you know, seeking out answers, and when you're not experiencing a sense of wonderment, then you're stepping further away from where that kingdom is that's within you. So that's why it's important to constantly have that because that helps to connect you to the kingdom. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Okay, so Megan's in and out. That's okay. Amira, um, the skeptic or someone would say, well, is there only a heaven? or a place of happiness is there a dark side in your opinion and then we're going to go around again i know that you're you know you didn't have the nd but in an opinion do you think there's a hell yeah so i think you know i grew up believing that there was a hell because that was i that's what i was told and that was what i was taught in my you know religious schools and you know family and stories that i've been told so i grew up with that belief that there is a hell 
And uh, I've heard some near-death experience stories where they did have hellish experiences. However, my opinion is that there is only love and unconditional love. And then there's also a, I don't know how to say this, but kind of like an absence of that. So there's love and unconditional love and all that is, and then there's an absence of that. So it's not that there's a specific hell, in my opinion, where people go and you know burn for all eternity, but I do believe that they create their own experiences, including a near-death experience that's hellish, with their own belief systems and their own uh, consciousness and their own thoughts. So yes, I think you can have a hellish experience, but I don't think that hell in itself exists there for people to just you know walk in and just you know have that experience i think you need to create it with your belief system and that's how you'll experience it again in my opinion who wants to take on that question <laughs> probably all of us <laughs> yeah. well, i feel like i'm talking too much i'll let somebody um, yeah, so um, one of the things that my guide showed me is that because we're energy and energy never dies, mm -hmm. our energy gets attracted to the wherever our energy resonates. So if we're high vibrational at that time, we will go to a high vibrational place that some people call heaven. If we're low vibrational, we will that energy will it be attracted to um, and will go to and create a place that are all of our fears all consumed and, you know, or, and all of our pain all consumed. So that's essentially what quote unquote heaven and hell is, you know, according to what I learned. I like it. Yeah. If Anybody we, else yeah, want to speak that, that real quick? I'll speak to that real quick if I can. Can you hear me? Sure. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I believe that here in the Western world, we're not taught how to die. <laughs> and we really need to know how to die, how to be able to leave our our existence, our physical existence here. And I totally agree. Is it, has, it has to do with our state of mind and fear. If, fear. if we have fear, then we can go to a hellish realm or bring, attract that type of experience. If we're full of fear and we're full of judgment, if we feel we're going to be judged, I do spirit rescue as well. And there's so many beings that I come across that are afraid of being judged. And so it keeps them on the earth plane and, and they're, um, you know, we get attached to certain things that become ghosts and things like that. So if we are in, if we know how to die and we know to lift our frequency and we know that, um, we are eternal and it this is just another experience and it is just an easy transition from one from one who was it that said it from one world into another then it's an easy it's a lot easier and we it's really important for us to have that in our mind state even if we die suddenly to know that how to die <laughs> that this is just another transition it's not there is no death we don't die we're just moving into another realm of of love as long as we allow it and we're aware of it. Mm -hmm. Wow, I like that explanation. We have mm -hmm. someone that joined us. Um, what is your name? 
I'm Susan Walter. I'm sorry I didn't join you earlier. I had uh, my internet was down, but it's back up now. That's okay. That's okay. Um, we have a few more minutes to the show, so just tell us a little bit about yourself, if you can. Oh, uh, where do I start? Um, I had near-death experiences. I've had two um, at the very young ages, at four and six, and um, <clears throat> You know, where I had to have life-saving surgeries. I'm sorry, my cat's being rather just insistent right behind me on my chair, um, wanting some attention. But um, uh, from those near-death experiences where I was introduced to three of my own personal angels, um, after that experience, I was able to just see them all the time. And they've always been with me ever since then. And then later in... Um, in 1997, they started showing me not just my own angels, but everyone else's as well. And I've been doing angel portraits ever since then, and you know, for people. And then I also do other kinds of spiritual art as well. And I don't think I would have done any of this without those experiences and that introduction to, you know, to the spirit world. And to realize that there is so much more to our world than what we see with our physical eyes. Wow. True. Thank you for that. It's fascinating, Joel, that, you know, there's so many people around the world who have near-death experiences. And again, they're similar, but not exact. But these are not, to listen out there, this is not DMT. This is not a chemical release. And, you know, some people would say, well, I don't believe in heaven, hell, God. I don't believe in a creator. I believe when you're dead, you're dead. Maybe, just maybe, that that is their belief because that was the sole contract they designed. Because maybe they already went through this in previous lifetimes. And it's just something that they don't want to hear about or experience again the way we would experience it like i'm not meant to be a, an astronaut you know uh, they're not meant to go through this again it's fascinating and it is true and the book amira how is this book going to help people i think this book is going to help people like me and others people who are struggling with the fear of death people who have a lot of limiting beliefs around the idea of what death is uh, the idea of being judged, the idea of going to heaven or hell based on your good and bad deeds. Um, and I think that um, a lot of the fear and misunderstandings and misrepresentations of what the death experience is and what lies beyond that will be cleared up, or at least, at least, the very least, give people a different perspective so that they can decide for themselves what they want to believe about this topic instead of being uh you know encased with limiting beliefs and fear that they've picked up through religious understandings or through their upbringings i believe that everyone should have the choice to decide what they want to believe and what they want to create based on their own experiences and understandings and not just what you know they've been told growing up yeah, I have I like a question that I, I want to get to from Lorianne. Do you think it is an easy transition for an unexpected death? Will they will they know where to go and what's going on? 
or yes. will they be confused? I'm, I'm sorry, Laura, it's, just, it's hard for me to say. I could put that up there. I think it depends on the soul. I was greeted by Jesus and I didn't believe in him. I mean, I grew up, you know, being told he existed, but I didn't believe he existed. So there, he was the only one waiting for me under the tree. When I got into heaven, I walked through the clouds. And so uh, he told me, okay, well, you know, after he gave me a hug and we joked, then he said, okay, come on, we have a lot of work to do. And I said, I know you're dealing with me because I was an atheist. So then he took me to watch my life review. So <laughs> then I meet all these other people and then, and then, yeah, it just keeps going and going. So yeah, they'll know where to go is the answer to that question, I believe. And they'll be totally at peace, totally at peace. And, and if they're not, and if they're shocked, because some people, like I channel now as a result of my near-death experience, so I channel messages from heaven. And some people who do go over um, are not at peace or are shocked. And so they are soothed by their guides when they get there. But then that also gets into the whole ghost thing, which is a whole other thing. So, yeah. Well, thank you for answering that. That's a great question. Anybody else want to take that on? Um, I was going to say that. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I put the question up there. Oh, okay. Yeah, as far as transition is concerned, um, you know, uh, part of the transition is whether or not there's pain or not. And when you're actually transitioning, you don't feel any pain. Um, so that part of the transition is easy. And yeah, the same thing in regards to what Megan said. Um, the only thing that, the only reason why uh, a soul gets confused is when usually has to do with stubbornness, ego, or uh, inability to expand their mind. And when that happens, sometimes, you know, uh, then you have ghosts. So, um, you know, those are some of the things that happen. Yeah. This has yeah, been a fascinating I I show. Yeah, I mean, this I'm sorry, it goes by so fast. And Susan, um, <laughs> if you want to join us uh, on our next show, because we were doing a part two with the other authors, I think it's February 26th, right? So yes. if you want to join us on that day to you know talk about more about your story, you're welcome to. Um, thank, thank you guys for coming on tonight. We really, really appreciate it. You guys have an amazing story. And yes, most definitely. And to listen. This is an experience like no other, you know, what you go through in a near death. Um, Amira, we're going to wrap up the show. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming on and sharing your experiences. Where can people find the book that comes out on March 21st? So they can go to neardeathinstitute.com and it's near-deathinstitute.com forward slash death the book. And if you go on Google, you can just type NDI death book and we should pop up on Google. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming on tonight. Special thank you to Carnation for fully sponsoring the show from day one. Please join us next Monday night on the United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM and 107.7 FM from New Orleans. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate and we love the story. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. thank you. Thank you. Have a great Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.